Hi, this is Taste Buds, and I'm your buddy, Corey. This episode of Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app. With Foodora, you can use their pickup option to skip the lunch rush, or you could even plan ahead and have lunch delivered to your office. And if you're already thinking of dinner during the afternoon slump, make your daydreams a reality with Foodora's pre-order option. Dinner can arrive at home the same time you do. And with the promo code TASTEBUDS, you'll get $12 off your first order. Foodora, order food you love. I'm here at Dim Sum King. It's first thing on a weekday morning, so of course I'm ready for Chinese food. I'll be eating dumplings with David Schwartz and Braden Chong. These two are not celebrity chefs. They don't have a TV show, and you're not going to see them on any top 10 list yet. They are two young cooks who, typical of their peers, work insane 60 to 80 hour work weeks. And when they're not doing that or sleeping, they eat like monsters, documenting it all on Budstacks, a shared Instagram account. Now, the last time I ate with these two, we started with a pasta lunch, and then we had a second lunch of pizza, and then we had a third lunch of Szechuan food, all in a couple hours. And then I nearly passed out, and they went off to work a 12-hour shift. I want to talk to them today about what it's like starting out at the bottom of the kitchen ladder, working long hours for low pay. And finally, I want to talk to Schwartz about how he has recently been able to leap up to an executive chef and partner role at a very young age. And how his buddies might feel about him suddenly being the boss. And then maybe we'll go for a second breakfast at his restaurant, Omaha. So you got the tripe, you got the tendon. Chicken feet, the squid tentacles, the turnip cake. Low back go. Yes, so we're already, that's my shit. You like the turnip cake? <laughs> you don't like the turnip cake? I love the turnip cake. Yeah, yeah. I'm never with people who want the turnip cake. Oh, that's back. Which is a bit of a delivery mechanism for hot sauce, but yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, there's, there's the two types, right? There's the dim sum type, mm -hmm. which is usually just like steamed, sometimes pan seared. What's the other version? And then like the, what's it called? Oh, Singapore turnip cakes. And it's just like cubed up, deep fried, Sometimes they're crispy, sometimes they're not. I wish they were always crispy. Yeah. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, how are you? Joe-san. <laughs> Sorry, I actually, I don't speak. Is there anything you want? Shame, I just brought shame to my, my family. Yeah. Egg we'll custard? You gotta yeah. get one. Yeah, less please. You have to. Schwartz is shaking his head, you don't I, need I sweets ordered before savory. It's not, oh. Oh, it's not a matter of when fun. you're eating it, you just need it on the table. Did you start off at Porchetta, a company? Yeah, that was the first place I like started cooking. How did you get started if you'd never worked um, in a kitchen before? Did you it's go to funny, school? I, I, went, I went to the dentist, had an appointment, and obviously they tell you not to eat after, for half an hour, but I just went straight to Porchetta, <laughs> got a sandwich, and uh, yeah, I just crushed a Porchetta sandwich, and I was like, my mind was blown because my brother told me about this place. I was like, how do you make this? I, I want to know how to make this. Mm. So I talked to the, I was like, is the owner here? I had zero experience. Sat down with Nick. He's like, yeah, looking at your resume, I'm not going to hire you. <laughs> but you can still come in and uh, work a stage. And I had no idea what a stage what... was. But I was like, OK, well, yeah, well, cool. I'll come in for one shift. Did you ask, care. what does that mean? He told right. me, he's like, yeah, it's, it means it's like you come in for a shift, unpaid, 
And I was like, okay, well, I'll wash dishes, I'll do whatever. Just hire me, I don't want to work here. Can I ask you for some hot sauce, some please? With hot sauce? Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> Dude, there's only like two pieces of cilantro it's, it's here. It's like covered in cilantro. It's all How it do you, I've, I've the, never understood yeah, can't how do he cilantro. doesn't like cilantro, but he traveled to Asia. I, when, I went to, I, <laughs> when I went to Southeast Asia, I had a print card for every place that I went saying, no cilantro, please. Worked everywhere except for Vietnam. You had a, what did you say, a card? A card, yeah, in whatever language, oh, like Thai thank or you, thank no pak chi. Forget everywhere else. You presented this like you had a disability. Pretty much, yeah, and it worked. I mean, they laughed at me almost right. every time. But, but this, but like, not liking cilantro is like saying you like Italian food and not liking Parmesan. I just—it's <laughs> a genetic predisposition. I can—I'll eat literally anything else. I know it just blows my I mind. Can't do this. It just blows my mind. And I met you at uh, the kitchen at uh, Dilo. Yes. Where you were like on the line. Mm -hmm. I remember that day. Quite vividly. <laughs> Why is that? Because you had come in and uh, you came in early, <laughs> and our freezer had broken down. So that's right. Uh, I was pulling out bags of dumplings and mm -hmm. trying to salvage what you know, <laughs> what I could. Which and then of you the five in. times was that? <laughs> which the owners? Which I found out the other day because I came in early. Nobody was there, and you were explaining to me, and I was like, "Oh, uh, did you make these?" And you're like. The owner's mother makes them. I was like, I was where? In his kitchen? Like, I was like, I don't think I can report that. I don't think you're allowed to serve food made in the mother's kitchen at home, but it's wonderful. It's a wonderful detail. Oh, beef tendon. Uh, this is why this we're is friends. This we is why yeah. we're friends. We have to. You order all the stuff tendon. I never ordered. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the tendon, people often, you know, they don't like it when I make them eat it, but it's like the best meat stock reduced down into like mm -hmm. jello form. I've had, I, I mean, I've had tripe that I've really loved and it is, uh, it tends to be Italian. It tends to be yeah. like, bra you know, braised in tomato sauce for a long time, whereas when I've had it in Chinese restaurants, it's like, chewy and they've boiled it for about 10 minutes yeah. and gone. It's done. But I'm going in. I'm going in. I think we're going to have to order uh, one tripe now because that's one of my favorite dim sum dishes. I ordered one already. Okay. Fear not, Perfect. some tripe has been ordered. The thing I like about the, um, what is this, the tendon here? Oh, it's so good. Is that I can see, I can see, see where it. one part of this was connected to another part of an animal <laughs> that worked really hard, you know? This is like everything Jello wants to be but mm -hmm. can't be. <laughs> right. Well, it's some things are tough to describe and make, you know, sound appealing. Like, do you know Andrew Zimmern? I know of him. He uh, so he has a show, Bizarre Foods, and there's an episode I, I always remember. He's eating uh, coxcombs, mm -hmm. which are the top sure. part of a rooster's head, right? <laughs> um, and he describes them in the worst way possible. He's trying to make them sound appealing. He's like, yeah, you know, they're so good. Uh, they're just like you cook them down, and they get nice and phlegmy. <laughs> why, like, you know, you're trying to sell people on these things and you're talking about how much you love them and you describe them like that? Levy. When I met you, you were essentially cooking on the line and that was two exactly. years ago and you're now... Chef Schwartzy. That was longer than two years ago. Was it? Yeah, that was probably closer to 
three and a half almost, maybe. Well, but you are a partner, owner, mm -hmm. chef now. Yes. And you're 27. 26. 26 even, which is relatively soon. Yeah, so I mean, that kind of comes down to my business partners. I had been working for them at Rasa for two years, Brent and Adrian, who are the owners of the Food Dudes, and they approached me and, and asked if I wanted to get involved on a pizza project with uh, Chef Matt Blondin, who's my other business partner, and, and that was it. They really have a lot of trust in a lot of their staff members, and, and when they see potential, they're not afraid to, to act on it and have a little faith. Uh, in a kitchen, I had a boss who said, like, I know, I know how people are gonna do long-term based on how long it takes before they start complaining about the hours or money, mm -hmm. you know? Everyone has to complain at some point, but if they start complaining within the first few months, I know they're not gonna be with oh, me for years. chicken feet. Absolutely. Here we go, Even when I was interviewing yes. people for when we were first opening, uh, reopening the restaurant, and more than one of these interviews started off with what's the pay and how long are the hours, and immediately if those are the first two questions, or if those are even questions being asked to me on the phone, um, I know that they're not going to work out at the restaurant. Why even though those are totally reasonable questions in I'd say every other really important question. Exactly, and in every other industry, that flies. There's a tricky balance you're talking about because I'm with you halfway in that everybody's got to pay your dues. And whether you're a cook or a writer, I'd advise you to start off by jumping in headfirst and working for and with the best people mm -hmm. for free if necessary, but not indefinitely. You know, I know that people go and they stage at restaurants and that can be amazing to work for like a period for free just to learn at the foot of the master. But when you've got restaurants that are, you know, quote unquote, the world's greatest restaurant, but actually two thirds of their staff is working for free. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a completely different game. And, and when I started working at Rasa, what he had offered me wasn't unfair, was the thing. You know, I'd worked other positions where what I was getting paid was unfair, and that upset me. Without naming names, what were you getting paid that was unfair that upset you? A day rate of, you know, $120 for uh, a 12, 13-hour day. Sometimes 14. Yeah, and on your paycheck it says <laughs> you're working for eight hours at $15 an hour, when in reality you're, at that point, you know, it was probably about $10 an hour, which is, which was a $1.75 below minimum wage. At this point, it would be closer to $4 below minimum wage. And then your dishwasher doesn't come in, so you're there for 16 hours? Yeah. <laughs> and did you know that before you started? Like, were you aware of what they would really work out to per hour before you started at that job? I was. Uh, yes and no. You kind of, you're kind of like Stockholm syndromed into this position where it's a privilege for you to work here. You're lucky to, that we're even paying you at all, kind of thing. And and you trick yourself into believing that that's reality. And then once you're out of it, you look back on it and you realize how fucked up that is. Uh, I had someone contact me a little while ago. He said I'm working at this restaurant, and uh, we do day rates. And everyone works what we call the mandatory 14, which has recently been lowered to the mandatory 12. Okay. And, um, but I, um, I'm the chef to cuisine, and the boss actually instructed me when hiring people to tell them a typical day here is nine to 10 hours. So not only are you, you know, just That's kind just of- That's just dishonest. Like I would never say, you know, I would never tell that to my, to my cooks ever. But as far as, you know, like, bottom line of a, a business, right? 
you can only pay what you can pay before you're not making any money. I don't know. I know someone who claimed <laughs> to be a bottomless pit. I do if want one. If you're getting full, if this is too much right. food for well, you. Corey's pushing me. Oh, one, one, one. Well, can we, excuse me? <laughs> we'll take one. The chive one. Oh, the chive yeah. one. There you go. She's good at selling. We'll take it home. We'll fry it up with salami for breakfast. Hey, I got a bike over to Oma. I don't think uh, I should finish all that food. Well, I drove. Oh, you, oh, you drove? TasteBuds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app. I have a drawer in my kitchen. You have one too. And sometimes when you're tired, it's been a long day, you don't feel like cooking, you open that drawer. It's filled with dusty dog-eared menus, the same menus you've had for years from the same local Chinese restaurant, the same pizza place. Some of these places aren't even open anymore. And when you pull one out, your wife looks at you with that face that says, you have nothing new to offer me. My friend Caitlin was right. I have made a huge mistake by tying my fortunes to your dim-witted decision-making process. And as she reaches for her phone, her finger hovering over that number marked divorce lawyer, you say in sweaty, hangry desperation, there's got to be a better way. There is. It's called Foodora. And it brings you all the best food from your favorite restaurants right to your door. With so many restaurant partners in your city, there's always something new to try. You'll never have to endanger your marriage again. And as a bonus for first-time users, use promo code TASTEBUDS to get $12 off your very first order. Foodora, order food you love for the one you love. We've just raced over in midday Toronto traffic to Oma, which is Schwartz's restaurant where he's going to cook us a second meal. Only the second of two. Normally, the Bud Snacks crew would be... Normally, uh, six. That would be a typical day. <laughs> How many meals you would crush. Yeah. So right now, I'm making for you our uh, rutabaga dish, our mushroom toast, and our beef dish. Some new stuff on here, I see. All right, digging into... I'm going to guess that it's beef with... Broken, I remember this from the menu. <laughs> yeah, broken so grits? What are broken grits? Broken rice grits. So the beef is hanger steak right now. Mm -hmm. um, we cook on our charcoal grill. We use binchiton, which is Japanese charcoal, which is so much more expensive than regular charcoal that our supplier makes fun of me for buying it from What them. is the actual price difference between those things? Uh, what I get is 660 a kilogram versus the Argentinian is like 150. That's significant. It's a huge difference. It burns so much cleaner, it lasts longer, the flavor is nicer. This is delicious, Schwartz. Thank you. I worked for a guy who would come in and start like, he would come in the kitchen, call the line for like 20 minutes during service, and then walk through the restaurant, glad handing, and because yeah. he realized that's part of what consumers want, is yeah. they want the chef to come they to the table. They want to see people, the, the chef, feel something. like they're, ta they're special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever do that? Uh, we kind of have to, just because like have to. kind of normalizes you. Like when you're constantly in the mm. vacuum space of a kitchen, only talking to four other people every day, all day. Yeah, it does something weird to your brain. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I've talked to the owners, and they'll say that most of the people 
do not want to talk to customers. They're terrified to talk to the public. They've spent years exactly. in a kitchen, and, and some of them, quite frankly, are not going to be good at it. But yeah. a lot of them really are because they don't re like cooks don't realize what a, a treasure of knowledge they have in their brains mm -hmm. that the customer doesn't have. Because everyone else around you is of the same, right? You've been surrounded by chefs. You've been surrounded by people who also know, have this arcane encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah. I like interacting with guests for the reasons that you just said. Like, even when I go to a grocery store, often I'll find myself, um, like when I see people trying to decide between stuff, something always in my head, I'm like, I want to go tell this person like what to buy and how to cook it. And then I kind of realize most people don't want to hear that from me. They don't give a shit. So You're approaching strangers in the supermarket? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. So I stopped doing that because most people don't care. Like, why would they want Do my opinion? Do you ever opinion? hear uh, over the PA, like, we've got a creep in aisle six? <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about everyone going to culinary school, but like the majority of the students that go there aren't actually fit out to be cooks. And they kind of figure that through culinary school, which is kind of sad because culinary school is like super easy and they're really nice to you. It's true. But a lot of people, they go into culinary school thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a chef. This is going to be easy. This is going to be fun. And then it's like, oh, I have to prep this and do this that I don't want to do all the time. And but they're going to be chefs. on TV. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of chefs well, who, yeah. who don't do any school of any kind, not that I have anything against that, but the problem lies in when you don't, you know, you go to school or do anything outside of kitchens and then you jump right into a kitchen and you're socialized in a kitchen. Uh, that's a big problem because they're weird places. Mm -hmm. They're places that aren't equipped to teach you how to be a person. Weird is a nice <laughs> word. I know a lot of people who have just been cooking and only been cooking and they're kind of okay with working 16 hours and getting paid next to nothing because they've just been like told and learned that that is somehow okay. Whereas definitely people who have like had other jobs, like they know there's like a line and whether they want to cross that line or not, they like have it in their mind. And that, that gets you places. Like back to what I was saying, you know, when I started at RASA, I accepted the position even though it wasn't exactly what I was looking for money-wise. Um, and then two years later, I went in and I asked for a raise. So you just, it's like timing, right? Do you get resentment from peers who are your age hmm. that you're now at this level? Uh, I don't do my face, but I'm sure, <laughs> I, I'm sure there is behind my back. And you know what? It's. It was something I thought a lot about and was uncomfortable with at first, but now that I've put like so much work into the space and I think I've proven myself a little bit like there's a reason why, you know, my business partners decided to bring me in to their partnership. And at first I was like, why are they, why do they want me? Like these guys are all seasoned veterans who are like moguls in the industry. Why do they like, what do I have to offer? And they've kind of helped me understand what I have to offer. So. I don't really care anymore, you know, if people have issues with that. Because now you got other stuff to worry about. Yeah, like I have, you know, like it's the least of my my problems at this point. Like if mm. someone's upset that I, you know, jumped a couple steps or got somewhere quicker than they did, I don't really fucking care. That's your episode of Taste Buds. Thanks to Kelvin at Dim Sum King and Matt at Oma for being such gracious hosts. 
The producer of Taste Buds is Ali Graham. Sound design and mixing by Chandra Bullockon. Canterland's managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Theme music is by Nathan Burley. And I'm your host, Corey Mintz. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Mintz. That's C-O-R-E-Y-M-I-N-T-Z or Z. And friends, we're a new show. Your support really matters. Every iTunes review, social media share, it really makes a difference. So if you could let your buds know about Taste Buds, it would mean a lot to us. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 